Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Does God really care about your specific needs? In Matthew 15, 32, it says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. It is very common to hear people say, Trust God for your needs. He will take care of everything that you need. He will provide for you. But do we really understand what that means within the context of everyday life, and do we really believe it? If God is indeed this enormous cosmic God who sits enthroned in the heavens and has majesty and splendor and power that is unparalleled and unrivaled within the created realm and outside of the created realm, does he really have the time or even the interest to care about my needs on a personal level? Are the challenges of my everyday life, the things that I strive to provide for myself and for my family, are they really important to him? Does it matter that I have food to eat? Does it matter that I have clothes to wear? Is this something he concerns himself with? And of course, many of us would immediately answer, well, yes, he does. But what is the evidence from scripture that he cares? And what is the evidence in our own lives in the modern day that he cares? After all, if many people talk about their accomplishments, they often talk about what they've accomplished through the work of their own hands. Most of the time when we talk about the things that we own or we talk about our incomes, we talk about our jobs, we talk about our work, we talk about the fact that we have striven hard and earned what we have. And even though many of us will at times recognize that it is God who has blessed us with these jobs or with these opportunities to earn income for ourselves that we then have been able to use to take care of ourselves and our families, all too often, the idea of our things, of where the things that fulfill our needs come from, is given to the work of our own hands rather than the benevolence of an all-caring, all-loving God. See, one of the sad things about humanity is we are all too quick to run to God in trouble, to cry out and ask Him to save us when every last hope of our own strength has been expended. But when things are going well, we are way too quick to take the credit and the glory on ourselves for why things in our life are doing well or why we are able to accomplish the things that we have accomplished. We love worshiping ourselves. In fact, we are the biggest idol that comes between ourselves and God. But the reality is that God does care deeply about the physical needs of his people on an individual level. And Jesus demonstrated that perfectly here in this passage in Matthew. He had these people that had come out to hear him, and they had come from cities all around the region. They had come to a desolate place, a wilderness place, a place where there wasn't shops that you could simply go in and buy bread from. There was nowhere to source this food. 
They had only what they had brought with them and nothing else. And they continued following Jesus for a long time. In fact, Jesus says they had been following him for three days. They had been ignoring their daily needs for this period of time. And if you put that in the context of a society 2,000 years ago, an enormous amount of time was required to invest into the daily needs. The preparing of food, the grinding of flour, the making of bread or preparing meat, it was a huge process. They couldn't just go up the road and buy food from a shopping center. They had to prepare all their own food. They had to tend their animals. They had to tend their fields. And so much of the daily struggle was simply to acquire those things that one would need to feed themselves on a daily basis. We spend way less time in our modern society preparing, thinking about, and organizing the food that we're going to eat than they did in an ancient society 2,000 years ago before the conveniences of refrigeration, packaging, stable food prep processes, and things like that. They simply did not have access to those things. And so making food, sustaining oneself, was a much more arduous task. But these people have been so intent on following Jesus that they have ignored all of those earthly needs. And now they are far from home and they have a long journey back. And Jesus, who has been healing them, he has been teaching them, he is now concerned about their need for food. You see, Jesus didn't just say, listen, I've given you things that you needed for your soul. I've given you the teaching. I've addressed what's important. Yeah, you might be a little hungry on the way home, but that's not really as important as your soul. And I spent all my time giving you teaching that was for your soul. That's what's really important. You might just have to wait to eat until you get home. No, instead he shows a completely opposite attitude towards these people. He has fed them spiritually. He has performed mighty healing works among them. And now he is concerned for their hunger. He does not want them to be faint on the way home. He does not want them to feel ill as they're walking home, overextended, overtired, hungry without food, and to faint on the way. Instead, he wants to address their need here and now by his power, ensuring that his people are fed both spiritually and physically. Now, it's very easy to say, but that's Jesus. How do we know that that really applies to God the Father? That was Jesus during his earthly ministry. That was Jesus when he had the crowds right in front of him. Do we really know that that applies to God in heaven and Jesus now as he exists in his resurrected and ascended state? Well, in order to answer that question, it's very simple. We can go back into the Word and take a look at some other places in Scripture where God took a specific interest in the needs of people. And he did this not to show us that he cared only about that person, but to demonstrate that he cares about every creature that he has created on a personal level. And one of the best stories that illustrates this comes from when the nation of Israel was traveling from Egypt to the Promised Land, and they go out into the wilderness and they run out of food. Now, this might seem initially, and it seems like the Israelites thought that this was merely short-sightedness on God's behalf. God called them out into the wilderness. He knew they couldn't possibly bring enough food with them. And so he led them into a trap of running out of food. And this was because they believed simply that God just didn't have any foresight. And so they complained against him. They grumbled against God and complained that they were hungry and that they were out of food. In fact, their immediate default was, it was better to be in slavery than to come out here and run out of food. 
It didn't matter that they had seen the mighty hand of God split the Red Sea and overthrow the Egyptians. It didn't matter that God had demonstrated himself to them in powerful ways through the plagues against Egypt. They were hungry, and that's all they could think about. And in their opinion, God was just simply a bad planner. But God responded by meeting their needs. Despite their lack of faith, God rained down heavenly bread, manna, from heaven every single day for his people to have food. He gave them something that they could eat that was good for them. It was the perfect food. He hadn't missed anything. He didn't need the children of Israel to remind him. He had planned on giving them this supernatural food all along. This was part of his divine plan. He had never missed anything, and he had a perfect plan to provide for his people. And he had created an opportunity through which they would need to rely on him for provision. And even though they failed in their faith, he was faithful to meet their needs because he loved them. But that's not all we see in the Old Testament. In fact, if we flip forward from the story of God providing manna for the children of Israel, which he did for more than 40 years, by the way, we run into another story about a Moabitess, someone who was not part of the children of Israel. She was a Gentile who was married to an Israelite who had been living outside of the land of Israel. And her name was Ruth. And after her father-in-law died and her husband died, she went back to Israel, to Bethlehem, with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, two widows in the ancient world had about zero chance of providing for themselves. They were in serious trouble. They were not going to be able to adequately provide for themselves in any meaningful kind of way. For them, their existence would depend on just daily survival through the charity of other people. And God's law had been set up in such a way that he had ordered the people of Israel to harvest their fields in such a way that they didn't actually get the entire crop. And they left a part of their crop still in the field. And the reason they left this was for the widow and the stranger and the orphan to come and glean from their fields, to come and pick up what was left over by hand. And this was in the law of Israel that these people, these poor people, could come to the farmer's fields at harvest time and pick grain for themselves that the harvester had left. And you can read more about that in the Old Testament in the law, about what parts of the fields they weren't supposed to harvest. But Ruth found favor in God's sight, even though she was a Gentile. And he was specifically interested in her personal needs. And he appointed through his will, through his divine sovereignty, a man named Boaz and brought Ruth to glean in his fields. And even though there's much more to the story of Ruth and Boaz, who ultimately get married and are in the line of Jesus Christ, through Boaz's godliness and kindness, God provides for Ruth because Boaz behind the scene, unbeknownst to Ruth, is instructing his employees who are harvesting his field to intentionally drop some of the best wheat in the path that she is gleaning in so that she will have more and she will be able to take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi, who is at this point too old to go out into the fields and glean. And so God through his servant, Boaz, appointed a way of provision for the specific needs of this Gentile woman who had come to Israel and had put her faith in the God of Israel. He was personally interested in her story. And then we come to yet another account in the book of 1 Kings. And this story is called The Widow of Zarephath. 
And this widow is in the time of Elijah, and she is affected by the drought that is hampering that area, the drought that actually had been brought on by Elijah, by his prayer to the Lord. And God had withheld the rain from Israel because of the wickedness of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Now, this woman was also a Gentile. She was a citizen of the territory of Sidon. And so she was outside of God's chosen people. But God sends his prophet Elijah to her. And Elijah finds her gathering sticks. And when he asks her what she is doing, she says, I have enough food to make one last meal for me and my son. And then we're going to die. In other words, we're going to starve to death. They were out of food. They had no way of getting more food. And so she is preparing one last simple meal for the two of them before they endure the long death of starvation. This woman is absolutely desperate. And you have to put yourself in her mind. This is the end for her. This path leads to certain death. There is no hope for her. And it's not a pleasant way to die. They are going to waste away in hunger, probably for more than a month until their bodies finally give out because they have no food. And Elijah the prophet asks her to make an incredible sacrifice. He asks her to first make him a loaf of bread with the flour and the oil that she has, and then make bread for her and her son. Now, from the human standpoint, this makes no sense. How can she take the last flour and oil that she has, make bread for Elijah, and still have something to make for her and her son? If this was indeed going to be her last meal and then they were going to starve to death, there is no more excess. But in obedience, she does what Elijah asks her to do. And through God's provision, for the remainder of the famine... The pitcher of oil does not run out, and the jar of flour is never empty. And they eat and are satisfied through miraculous provision from God, because he was concerned about this woman's specific needs and sent his prophet to her to provide for both his prophet and this widow and her son throughout the course of the famine. See, God took a specific interest in this woman. And this woman wasn't in the line of the Messiah. This woman wasn't from the nation of Israel. This was just a Sidonian woman that God stepped into her life to meet her specific need. And her story is there in scripture as an example for countless generations to follow so that we would see the goodness of God in meeting the specific needs of the people that he has created. And if we flip just a little bit more forward, we run into a very similar story, but this time the prophet is Elisha, not Elijah. Elisha was the prophet that came after Elijah, and he was very powerful and very godly. And at one point during his ministry, there was a group of men that were called to be prophets in Israel, and one of them died, leaving behind a wife and two sons. And his wife comes to Elisha and says, My husband, the servant of the Lord, is dead, and the creditor has come to take away my two sons. See, in the ancient days in Israel, you didn't go bankrupt. You or your family members were sold into slavery to cover your debts. And this woman has lost her husband, and now she is on the verge of losing her two sons to slavery because she cannot pay the debts to her creditor. But God prompts her to come to his prophet and cry out for help. And through the power given to his prophet, he takes specific action to meet the needs in the life of this woman. 
And Elisha tells her to go to all of her neighbors and collect as many pots and pitchers as she can find. And he actually says, make sure you don't collect too few. Get as many as possible. And then take your oil pitcher and fill them all with oil and sell the oil and pay your debt. Again, this is ridiculous from a human standpoint. And yet she closes the door behind her after having collected these many jars and pitchers and fills them all with oil and sells the oil to provide for herself and her sons. See, God took a specific interest in the specific need of this woman and he met it supernaturally. Why? Because God cares deeply about the needs of his people. And all of these Old Testament accounts find their foundation in Matthew 6, where Jesus teaches his followers to not be anxious about anything, to not be anxious about food or drink or clothing, because God will clothe his children. God will take care of the flowers of the field to clothe them in splendor, and the birds of the air to give them homes and food. And so his children will not have to worry about their needs, not because God has promised to make all of his children rich, we certainly know that is not the case, but because God has promised to meet the specific needs of his children in the right way, at the right time, by the right means, so that all the glory of meeting those needs will go only to God and not to man. And so after three days of teaching in the wilderness... When Jesus looks out at this crowd, he doesn't walk away rubbing his hands together and saying, well, that was a great sermon that I just delivered. They're so fortunate that they got to sit under my teaching for three days. He looks at them with compassion and says, it's been three days. They must be starving. We need to feed them something so they can get home safely. And he would feed them something. Like the manna in the wilderness, he would supernaturally provide bread and meat for these people and meet their physical need before sending them home because God takes an interest in the specific needs of his creatures, meeting them out of the boundless measures of his goodness and doing it in such a way that he receives all of the glory, the honor, the praise, and the thankfulness for his goodness. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below. 